Welcome to the Pull the Shoot podcast with Jeff and Jana. This is our weekly venture into the world of small to medium-sized businesses and the entrepreneurial spirit that drives success. So our goal here is to help you grow and to be the best you can be, both in business and personally. To do that, we identify and we discuss topics that will hopefully help you as you work to build a successful business. We also interview business owners and executives. It's our hope that you may be able to gain insight on ways to help you be a better leader and provide a better culture for your people. Our mission here is to help you pull the chute once a week to work on your business instead of always working in your business. So we hope you find these discussions insightful, helpful, and useful. And thanks for your support. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Well, welcome everyone to the Pull the Chute podcast. I'm excited as always to be here. Um, it is a beautiful day in Nashville. The heat is on us, that is for sure. Now, the heat dome has reached all the way here, so I know the West is getting hammered, but I, I think we're still getting. Actually, I think the killer for us is the humidity. It's just oh my like almost you know 80%. It's crazy. It's crazy. Good morning, Jana. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. I'm good. You know, it, it looks like it's foggy, a foggy day here because the humidity is so high. You know, we all keep our houses so cool here in the South. Yeah. So, you know, what happens is all the windows fog and, and oh. mist up. So, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, Jana, I am so excited because we are going international today, which is kind of a fun thing. Um, our guest today is Albana Veroni. Um, she is from Belgium, from Brussels, Belgium, and uh, she kind of found us and we're excited that she did. She's a business coach over there, and uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about what she does and how she goes about it. So, Albana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. Yeah, we're so excited, so excited. So before we kind of jump into some of the things that you do, do us a favor, just for our listeners' sake and for ours, um, give us a little bit about who you are, your background, and and kind of get give us a little bit to get to know your information. All right. So um, myself, of course, as you said, I am living in Belgium for about 24 years now. Okay. And I am Albanian by origin, and I have traveled a little bit around the globe, from Albania to the UK, to Germany, to Norway. And I made my way to Belgium for a couple of years, and here I am since 24 years now. <laughs> <laughs> is that nice, huh? I know how that is. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So you are talking about high humidity where you are. I must say that we are in a pretty neutral climate here for the moment. I have escaped the big heat in Albania from what I hear from a family living down there and enjoying that freshness of Belgium. That's great. So what season? It's spring there, summer there? Well, it is summertime, but okay. it is uh, springish summer. Okay. So nice. It hardly ever gets so hot here. That's fabulous. Oh. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, we're we're not deep south, but we're close enough where we <laughs> we get we get yeah. hammered here. So, yeah. so tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days yes. and how you yes. decided to, to start doing that. Yeah. So, as you um, rightly said, I am a uh, business and executive coach, focusing most on leadership skills for running generative business and generative leadership. And um, so it's interesting because my career has started early on in Albania in diplomatic services during the big changes in Albania, from where that big inspiration came about uh, accompanying transformations and understanding the leadership role into uh 
important transformational changes that set, let's say, the trend and the future for uh, for people, for organizations, for a whole country. Mm-hmm. And so from there, then I moved on into um, studies in Norway for uh, international marketing and strategy. And then I, when I ended up in Belgium, I chose to work for an American company in IT services, working with European institutions, and they are delivering a series of projects in uh, transformation, mm-hmm. uh, digital transformation of European institutions. As you know, Belgium is at the heart of Europe. And uh, it's a place where European decision-making takes place, but also to say it's the place from where if there is an institutional transformation, here it is when it starts. And then from that work, when I decided to move on and go and start my own business already uh, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So the idea was to be able to uh, make a good mix between working with institutional transformations and business transformation, because Mm -hmm. we all know that whenever uh, changes happen into institutional uh, landscape, somehow they have either they are either triggered by what happens in the business, in the micro level, or they need to be reflected in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it was very interesting how businesses were coping with all the changes that were happening at the macro scale. Mm-hmm. And that's where I said I want to be more present into working with the businesses and going f- I traditionally work with large businesses, but more and more I'm working now with small, medium-sized businesses because they are like the engine of growth. There is so much bubbling. We talk so much about sustainability. And if you really want to see the efforts about sustainability, go and see and talk and see it with the small, medium-sized businesses. Mm -hmm. There you see what is really happening on the ground. And so that's what I work with them. Tell us the difference when you say, just for clarity for our listeners, the difference between um, a business transition and... uh, the other type of transition that you were referring to, because both of those kind of for us are similar. You know what I mean? Like when you have an institutional transition, is is, what is the difference between an institutional transition and a business transition? Why you chose to go the business route. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's an interesting uh, difference that uh, I have observed myself. And it's, uh, it's so right to, to point that out. Uh, in fact, when we talk about in these institutional transitions, uh, we have so every change happens within the context, within a certain context, and somehow inherits and needs to to take into consideration the dynamics of that context. And we know that the the dynamics in institutional landscape are different than the dynamics that happen in a business, mm-hmm. and even in a large business, a small business, the dynamics are very different. So we talk now about changes in institutional landscape. We talk about consultation of larger scale stakeholders or a broad community of stakeholdership. Well, in a business scale, also we still talk about uh, stakeholdership and mm-hmm. the need to um, to align and to collaborate and to join forces together and create alliances. The point of reference is different, and the dynamic is different, and the out 
outcomes that we're looking for most of the times are very different. Mm -hmm. uh, institutional transformation has got different outcomes or six different outcomes than does the uh, business transformation. Mm -hmm. And when you say institutional, do you mean government institutions, educational institutions, any kind of institution? In other institutions words, of government. I have been mostly involved with uh, governments, so European institutions and European agencies. Okay, so that's the clarity. That, yes. yeah, yeah, educations are also institutions that kind of fall under under the same uh, pattern, but operated at a lower scale. Yes. Okay. I got you. Yeah. It is really interesting to talk to you about government institutions, especially being American, just because, yeah. you know, we right now have, we, we are pretty split right now down the middle. It's been kind of, well, who knows if this is the first time in history, you know, again, because we're living it in the 21st century, but we're pretty divided. And I know some of the European, Western European countries are not as divided, you know, so that institutional, uh, structure versus business structure is interesting just because there's probably a lot more policies and procedures and rules and all of that kind of stuff. Now, is the bottom line still the same? Is the bottom line still to be profitable or to grow, grow the institution similarly to business or how is that? That, that is, of course, that is a big difference. The bottom line, so what we refer to as, as the bottom line is different for institutions than it is for the businesses. Yeah. So when we talk about the business, more and more we're talking now about the triple or the quadruple uh, bottom line. Uh, so profit, planet, and people and culture is mm -hmm. coming into the landscape of the business. Well, when we are talking about institutional uh, uh, transformation, profit doesn't come so much yeah. into the uh, into the landscape. We do talk about uh, people, we do talk about culture, but we do, do talk mostly about profitability. And more and more we're talking now about planet as a lot of institutional transformation is driven by the sustainability agenda. Mm -hmm. The sustainability. That's so interesting. I was just listening to the news this morning and Al Roker did a TED talk. You only get 10 minutes on a TED talk. And he is absolutely passionate about climate change, about our world, because yeah. he just had a granddaughter. She's two weeks old. And he said, I'm holding this granddaughter. Her name is Sky. As you know, Al Roker, if you don't know Alvana, Al Roker is a big, big weather He's a big brand here in America. He's a weatherman and he's been around. He's in his 60s. He's fabulous. But anyway, big talk about sustainability, about climate change. I mean, this is a this is an international issue here. So it's interesting that you have moved from institutional coaching or institutional that kind of leadership to business leadership. What are the elements that you bring to business leadership? from the institutional side that you feel are very, very relevant for, you know, for businesses? Yeah, that's a good uh, point. So let me say something that um, I am a mother of three kids, 25, uh, 20, and six and a half. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> 25 and six and a half. Good for you, girl. <laughs> so, and that six and a half years old, makes me also be a lot more closer to the sustainability agenda. I did, of course, put quite a bit of focus and research in the area of corporate social responsibility ah. uh, already since uh, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, but um, so that the, the, the young member of a family keeps me a lot closer uh, to what's going, uh, going, going out there. Mm -hmm. And um, so what I understand, uh, having this uh, constellation 
of several generations in the family, parents of above 80 years old, uh, kids of 20, 25, and the youngest one of six and a half. Yeah. I understand that uh, to be able to, to bring or to build a meaningful future, well, we need to consider the uh, broad um the 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 the, the interest of multi uh, multiple stakeholders mm-hmm. in a broad scale mm-hmm. so this is one thing and um of course uh, having worked in the institutions uh, this element of bringing together the interests of multiple stakeholders is very sensitive and we 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 can see immediately that um everything that is uh, passed in the institutions like like laws and so they are, are uh, let's say successful only when they've got the adoption of this multiple stakeholdership yes. and the same works in in the business but somehow business was that um okay if i've got a new solution a new innovative solution then it's going to to make it it's going to go in the market. A lot of innovative solutions do not make it to the market. Why? Because we kind of neglect this diversity of stakeholderships and the interests, and especially one major stakeholder, which is the government. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so, and, and so for me, it was very interesting and in working with the uh, with the businesses to be able to, to bring that perspective of the sensitivity of the different, of the multiple stakeholders. This is one thing. The other one is that I, as I started to uh, study very close what makes change happen, I started to be more and more interested on what is what is it outside the logical uh, representation of the arguments that actually can win people over, that actually can create that common theme of interest between the different versatile stakeholders. Love that. And mm-hmm. I can understand that when we manage to get, as I said, connected to the field of multiple intelligences, mm-hmm. then we have got that capability of calibrating the way that we are putting together, let's say, our business case in a way that serves to this versatility of mm-hmm. the and that's what I bring to the businesses. That's that very interesting. That yeah. opens to the multiple interests and multiple sources of intelligences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's funny when we um, sometimes when I when I work with some of my clients, very similar type of situations occur where um, I always tell the, the the main stakeholder to understand what the secondary stakeholder might be going through, might be thinking, might have objections to mm-hmm. um, before you even present it, right? Because you, you get to know them and you're like, okay, let's kind of understand what they're going through and then and then present it in a way that is hopefully um, not just acceptable, but um, doesn't intimidate them in ways that they emotionally react. Mm-hmm. I, try to, yeah. I try to kind of get all those pieces together for them when they present. Um, they don't realize I'm not, I'm not telling them all that. I'm just talking through what they're doing. And, and then we figure out how they want to present it. But that is my goal is to get them to kind of understand the situation that's going on. And that sounds like what you were just talking about. That's yeah. correct. That's correct. So it is, of course, when we are in a small setting and we've got everybody around the table, if we're mindful enough, we manage to catch the energy that is going around us and adopt the way that we are presenting information mm-hmm. around this sensing of what's going on around the table. 
But when we are in bigger settings, and I've been in settings when we've got probably 200 people in, into a room or into large, uh, um, let's say, com- in a large scale conversation, where we've got probably 40 people around a big, huge table yeah. and trying to sense what's going on in, in sense of energy, which is a representation of what goes inside of everybody. It's a challenge. And I imagine when you have to introduce change, to audiences that you're not in touch with. How yes. do you sense that? Yeah. And that is what actually, for me, makes a difference. And it needs some, I would say, an opening up of the leadership uh, to understanding first the importance that, that has this capturing and being sensitive to the energy that comes from what doesn't seem tangible to them and then finding ways of converting that first understanding it and then seeing how they integrate that in their way of thinking and doing and connecting with those uh, different uh, I would say fields of energy which is the different stakeholderships. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I love the fact that you that you're using mm-hmm. the energies as a way to communicate and to feel out the room. I'm a, such a huge believer in the energies that we give off, the energies that you know that we give away, um, the energy in a room. Yeah, you know, for years, you know, I, I, I always tell people I've spoken in front of five or five thousand people, uh, but it's the energy as a speaker that always kept me going. Right. Absolutely. And when the people are are kind of you know involved in it, um, they really enjoyed. I DJed for ten years, and it was the energy of the room when I DJed that made me do, yeah. be a better DJ that night than uh, than not. But you know the energies are important, and I agree with that. I think that's a, a wonderful thing. How do you measure though? I mean, if things are going, let's talk about that for a second. If things are starting to go a little bit on the the you know going south a little bit, or the energies are getting low, is there a way or is there a methodology that you use to kind of change that in the room, or do you take a break, or what do you do? Yeah, I first start to understand what's going on. And um, uh, it's true that when I am very much uh, into action myself, I may have the tendency to lose connection with the uh, with the audience. And once I start to, I, uh, well, with the time, I've established practices to step back and get connected with myself. Mm-hmm. The moment I get connected with myself, I am connected with, uh, with the, the audience. So this is the first thing. So establishing those rituals of reconnecting with myself, recentering with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the, the simplest practice of all is breathing. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. so simple that we even forget about it. So this is one of them. Stepping back and posing questions instead of being always into uh, the talking and into uh, uh, being actively involved in the conversation. That is a second a second ritual that I personally involve. Another one is, of course, introducing regularly um, games in the conversation or questions that trigger curiosity, trigger a laughter, or uh, trigger maybe a um, break of the energy pattern. And that is an important one. How do we break a certain energy pattern that is being installed? Um, laughter is often uh, a good means of that, but bringing something that surprises the audience is um, one other way that often uh, I often introduce, especially in the large settings. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that. I love that. That's so yeah. funny. That's exactly what we talk about. Exactly what I talk about in presenting is humor, breathing, yeah. feeling the energy in the room, and and then making sure that you're connected with the audience by involving your audience, if, especially if it's small or more intimate. You can do that. Yeah, That's Jan- a big Jan part I, of how we coach. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Jen and I did a workshop a while back, and um, 
and we do just that. It's like, yeah. you know, if, you, if you feel the energy getting a little low in the room, I always love to just throw it back to the, to the room. Mm-hmm. Right? Ask a question, get them more involved so that they're more, as you just said, connected. I think that is a huge, huge asset. I think it works, works pretty well, actually. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I found that the element of surprise is also something that gets people to say, mm-hmm. oh, really? Where's that coming from? Right. And just, where is she at now? <laughs> so yeah. things like that it's, uh, often get uh, create a sense of humor. Or I remember that in one of those uh, sessions, I said uh, something that nobody was expecting. I said, yes, and by the way, guys, I haven't smoked anything today. So <laughs> <that all, laughs> there you go. laughter and then just changed uh, quite, quite uh, uh, quickly the energy in the room. So um, yeah. yeah, these are some of the ways. That's, That's great. great. And so when you coach now, is your coaching, um, do you kind of come in and go out? Like if you're working with a company, are you with them for months or is it one or two times and you're done? Or how does that work for you? How, do you, how, do, how does your setup go? Yeah. So we agree on the goal. So what is it that the organization wants to achieve? And based on that, we say, okay, let us start uh, a bit with understanding where you are at. And mm-hmm. I get a sense of what is the journey that the organization will have to go through. But very often I talk with a leader, but also talk with quite a few members of the organization to get a feeling of what's going in the ground and what is maybe the gap between the leadership and, and the rest of the organization. And based on that, once we understand, I got a feeling of what is the roadmap, what would be some of the major steps the organization will have to go through together with a the leader. Uh, then um, I start to put in place uh, certain certain uh, uh, meeting points, as I call that. Okay. Uh, and I do tend to work with the organization for six to nine months. Although we start, we we want we target to have the first result within the first three months. Okay. So with the first three months, we have got a very concrete result to um, uh, to come and to be able to celebrate and build upon. So while we've got a longer term vision, we just build then from after the three months, one thing at a time, knowing where we've been able to come at within the first three months. And how often do you meet with them? I mean, is it weekly? Is it monthly? Is it daily? It depends. It depends. Uh, with the leader, I would tend to meet uh, at least twice uh, twice a month. But then with other teams of the organization, I will just meet as it is needed. And uh, so basically, I almost, depending how big is the size of the team, especially of the leadership team, if I'm working only with the leadership team. So I tend to, to spread the meetings from one day to another to be able to build on the story. As one of the things that we, we, but at least I look at, is into changing the narrative. Because if the company is, or the business is, or the team is where it is now, uh, it is because they have built a certain narrative. Right. And so understanding that narrative is very important, and it takes a little bit of space. I've seen, for example, when I would meet everybody in the same day, it gives a totally different result as if I would meet, for example, a team of a leadership team of seven people over two weeks. It gives me a different understanding of where the team is at. So I tend to, to, to spread those meetings over a certain period of time that allows me to get a good insight of the energy that goes on in the organization. As for me, it's very important to, to work on the energy level. And from there, to see, okay, that's interesting. I've got a first level of insight. Let me share that and see what is the insight that is generated with the people that I'm working with. 
And so we we build step by step. So um, with the while we have one on one meetings, I have uh, group meetings, and I have smaller group and larger group meetings in a recurrent um, ways, recurrent patterns. Sometimes it's monthly. Sometimes it's um, more frequently than that, especially if it is a, a urgency situation. Something has happened. The company needs to turn around the situation very quickly. Then, of course, the meetings are a little bit more frequent. If we're talking more about culture change, then the, the meetings are a little bit more distant. So it depends very much on the goal and how big is the difference between where they are and where they want to go. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, we got to wrap up, guys, because we're moving uh, close to our time here. But Alpana, thank you so much for for reaching out and for sharing. Um, I feel like I want to have you back because there's so many other things that I would like to discuss with you. I know. I agree. Right. Um, So we'll have to figure that out here and have you back and continue the conversation. But uh, thank you so much. We really appreciate what you do and, um, and our talk about energies. And just, you know, what I love is when we can help people to change their minds, their, their lives and just grow because I mean, people get stuck sometimes and they just need someone sure. like us to kind of give them that extra push, that extra, uh, whatever energy to get to that next level. And, and it's a rewarding, uh, it's a rewarding career, I believe. So thanks Absolutely. for being with us. Thank yes. you so much, Jeff, Jane. Thank you so much for inviting me. welcome. And to our listeners out there, as always, thank you so much for for supporting us and for listening to us. We are excited uh, that we've gone international today. So we hope that you are as well. Um, As always, uh, we're here. So if you have questions, just email us um, and or reach out and we will be glad to respond to those. Um, So until the next time, stay safe and be healthy.